And so that's the level of training and mission the focus that we're that we're concentrating on. Now again, that's life and death situation, extreme, you know, danger, really bad people, the worst of mankind that's out there, right? But why can that not function on a much basic level? I can show up and we follow a law enforcement model in our office. It's literally called the backup model, right? Anything we do that is significant requires backup. We consider automatically advisory services sales pitches and maintenance service and the maintenance meetings backup and you get to pick your backup so if it's a highly technical meeting i might pick the other technical person from my team if it's a less technical meeting i'll just pick my admin person i'm always going to have backup so i can wholly focus on the task and this person's taking the notes making sure i don't forget anything from the bullet points we had lined up passing over the calculators and i'm just focused and my backups there to save me if i mess up screw up do anything wrong okay uh, and so that's the other part. The other Welcome to AFO Wealth Management Forward, a podcast about finance, accounting, technology, and entrepreneurship. We apply our decades worth of experience and insight into what makes businesses work so we can help others grow both personally and professionally. In this ever-evolving marketplace, we help accounting firms and financial advisors grow their practice through the adoption of holistic wealth management services. Learn from industry leaders and subject matter experts to unlock the secrets of their success. A podcast that shows people and companies the transformative power of technology so they don't fear it, but instead harness it. Don't fight the robots, team up with them. And here are your hosts, Rory Henry, Director of Business Development and CEO Rob Santos of Arrowroot Family Office. Hello, everyone. Today, I am again joined by Will Hill of Will Hill Consults. Will, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. We're here in the throes of summer. We are it's sunny. I've got a bit of a tan, though it may not look like it. It's tan for me. And well, that's so why you happy. have that white background, so you can bring out that tan. How tan you are is simply relative, right? <laughs> I used to call it the forearm flip. You'd hold your forearm out and say, are you tan? You're not tan. You flip over your forearm, show the underside. Sure, I am. Look at this over here. This is where I normally sit. So <laughs> I love it. I've never heard that before. Well, I know you're excited about our guest today. Uh, let me introduce him. He is a former SWAT team member. He spent over a decade in law enforcement. He is now the owner and founder of CS Business Consulting, as well as the vice president at Shelton and Associates CPA. So without further ado, let me introduce our guest, Ryan Kahn. Ryan, welcome to the show. Well, hello. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with both of you. Yeah. So, I mean, the first question off the bat, how does a SWAT team member start getting involved in the accounting profession? Right. I have an interesting past, interesting story, and to keep it brief, it all involves around family. So Wayne Shelton, who's my, my partner in the accounting firm, uh, he's been an accountant for 48 years. Ooh. And uh, one of the things that happened in law enforcement and being on a SWAT team and running a SWAT team, along with a lot of other uh, portions of the police department, is that I got to go to a lot of very critical leadership training and human development and mentoring and coaching, uh, you know, facilitating adult learning. And Wayne started growing his business, growing his business. He's a great entrepreneur. And he started getting growth pains and human resource and people management pains. And so he started leaning on me, hey, you're doing this over here in your industry help me fix my problems. So very casually and informally, I would help him fix his problems. And, and as we've done with a lot without anything formal around it, so much would fall apart. Till he finally one day sat me down and said, hey, I wanna make you an offer. 
And I want you to come uh, come work with me, partner up with me and help me run the accounting firm, which blossomed into a leadership company that does all kinds of consulting for businesses. And uh, I sit here today, he made me an offer I couldn't refuse effectively. Yeah. It just made sense. I was, I was happy where I was at. I was, I was lined up for the next promotion to, to become a captain. And uh, I, I gave all that up to, to go where the action is, taxes. <laughs> now, some people are curious, Ryan, we do know each other prior to this podcast. And uh, they're curious if I met you because of your law enforcement days or through the accounting <laughs> firm. It's definitely... The accounting firm. That's that is where I met Ryan. It was not during his law enforcement days. So, for people hoping for something more, it's just not there. It's and we just get a not background there. check on Will Hill. You probably ask yourself, what's Tally for? Well, Tally for is a tax flow that empowers firms to automate the tax trial balance, saving them hours per return in three easy steps: import, adjust, and file. Import. Tally for accepts data from all major accounting systems adjust. Your accounting and tax teams can collaborate to make all the necessary tax-based adjustments. And file. Once the tax trial balance is completed and approved, Tally4 can send it to any leading tax product. Tally4's import, adjust, and file process will help you reduce the time it takes to create a tax return from hours to just minutes. To learn more about using Tally4 for your CPA firm, head over to tally4.com. That's T-A-L-L-Y-F-O-R.com background check yeah, on Will he's, Hill. Not, he's not the violent criminal type. I don't, I don't <laughs> see that. <laughs> uh, so, um, Ryan, talk a little bit about your observations of staff structure in firms and um, kind of leadership management culture or style that seems seems to be out there with accounting firms. I know you interface with a number of them through the years, uh, through the year beyond just your own. Uh, and just kind of contrast that against all the things that went into your background. Sure. So it, it all started off with the transition. So in the background, I was in charge of leading teams, being a team member and, and being a, a follower on those teams up and down the chain. And I always quote to people that you got to be a good follower before you can ever be a good leader. You, you got to know what it's like to, to disciple behind somebody. And then in this firm transition, I came over with an objective to do a top to bottom analysis. And I went through and I basically interviewed every employee. I started at the, the lowest level of grunt work and also tried to provide the top level of consulting and advisory advice at the same time. So I was learning um, burning the candle from both ends effectively. But what I discovered is within about 30 to 45 days, I discovered very quickly, it does not have to be like this. And speaking industry specific to the accounting industry, because we, we help and consult with people across a broad range of, of businesses, but in the accounting industry, it was kind of a broken model. It was a tax factory model. And they would basically, each person would be their own cog in the wheel um, and they would have their own silo of operation. And, and a lot of time it wasn't very team driven. It was maybe you had multiple partners. This is my book of business and my people, or you had people that were placed in roles that would do tax or bookkeeping or, or some type of auditing and testation services. And they'd say, well, this is my job. You go do your job. I'll do my job. And it was just very siloed. And, and we had to break that mold internally. And that was one of my first objectives was to go, hey, let's get new people that think different and let's classify new roles and new methodology to make this a team approach. Yeah, can you talk about that? Because I know you've kind of flipped the model here. 
and greatly reduce the amount of credentialed people uh, that are on your staff. I mean, I listened to Joe Woodard uh, recently on the Accounting Influencers podcast. He talked about how we need to treat uh, our operations like a hospital instead of the MD uh, doing all the work. So can you kind of talk about the work and, and the implementations you made at your firm, Brian? Absolutely. And, and I'm huge into metaphors. So I'll, I'll lean on one right now. I use that exact same metaphor of the doctor, the MD, and I use another one of the fancy business uh, restaurant owner, the fancy restaurant. And so just with that MD model, not to hash out a previous podcast, but the doctor should, in theory, he should be only walking in to that surgery room when everything is prepped and ready, the patient is lying open, he goes in there and he makes those most technical surgical cuts. Somebody has prepped and anesthesiology and all of the sanitation and tools are laid out. He walks in there, does his job, and then walks out. Somebody else sews the patient back up, rinses the room out, cleans them out, follows their path to recovery. And then he just visits and checks in from there. That was the model that we wanted. And so in order to do that, that entire operating room and that entire hospital floor operates on a team role. And anytime somebody comes in there, uh, we also use a football mentality of like, you may have a primary role that you're responsible for. And let's say your primary role is, I don't know, you're an offensive lineman and a blocker, right? But guess what? There's a fumble and you scoop up the football. What does that big boy have to do right now? He's got to run. He's got to try to score a touchdown. Run, baby. Right? Yeah. What if the quarterback throws an interception, right? Well, guess what? He may have to make a tackle. So your role can constantly change. We started preaching this inside of our firm. The other thing that we did is we realized with Wayne's own statement, when I was fearful to transition over to the accounting world from cop to accountant, okay? Um, that's, that's different. I was like, Wayne, I can't do tax returns. And he literally <laughs> looked at me square in the eye and said, I can teach a monkey to do a tax return. I need you to come in here and lead and make these changes you've been telling me about. So that was the same principle that we did in law enforcement. We mm -hmm. can teach a skill to just about anybody. And in a worst case scenario, that person might just need a little more time, but to teach character, to teach drive and initiative and teamwork, now that's rare. So we started hiring and we changed our hiring practices first to start looking for people that have good character. They're gonna fit in the type of culture and personalities that we have here. They're, they're looking for deeper relationships with clients and they don't wanna just be a backroom person that literally cranks out numbers all day. They want to have interface and they want to grow and pursue uh, a longevity in their career. We started asking interview questions, asking, uh, designing our evaluations around that and starting to change the culture of what our employees are gonna look like. But we found out very quickly, not all of them, most of them don't have to have accounting degrees, accounting backgrounds, EAs or CPAs or any type of credentials. We were finding people from the medical field, right? Running medical offices. We were finding people that were fresh out of college. We found one person from a chicken factory, right? We've, had, we've, had, we've got a retired cop. We've got a medical student. We've got people from all over the industry, teachers. And uh, we, we interviewed people the other day. They said their best employee, they stole from Chick-fil-A. Another firm said their best employee used to be the janitor five years ago. And now he is literally their gold standard of how to do business. So we started looking outside of the industry and, and hiring on character and hiring on leadership skills. The rest of it, we train in-house. So what, you know, as, as you took stock and, and had conversations with current or existing employees that were there, what are, what are some of the signals that you looked for to say, you know what, regardless of performance and all that aside, here's something that we can build on. And so I'm not looking for a, well, I saw leadership. Yeah. Thanks. What did you see yeah. that said, ah, 
this, be specific with us. Absolutely. I'll be very specific. So we break down an evaluation into seven categories, four subcategories. You have 28 metrics that we measure you on, and only six or eight of those are really, truly tangible. Like how many projects did you get assigned and complete in time? Okay, that's cool. We don't track realization, right? We're a value-based firm, so we don't track realization. Our categories are about professionalism and presentation and uh, articulation in front of client relationships. How many times did you get a compliment for helping out a team member? How many times did you get a compliment or a documented email or thank you note from uh, a staff or a client or somebody like that? And we're looking at these. How many times did we put you in a leadership role? Hey, this week or this month's training is on Cherie. Cherie's going to lead training this month. We're going to mark that down and put it on her eval. How well was she a leader? So we're, we are literally, our metrics are how much are you cooperating with other humans, right? And how much are you leading those other humans by physically taking their hand sometime and saying, walk into this room and perform this task. Um, we do QuickBooks training for clients, right? How many of those did you have that were successful where the client was able to run their own QuickBooks or turned over their services to us, realizing that they didn't want to spend their time on it? <clears throat> and we're marking these things. I don't, I don't care that you spent two and a half hours on a two-hour tax return. That's, that's not a metric or concern of mine. Um, that's going to be a byproduct of making sure that I am, I'm developing these other categories of leading and teaching and mentoring and, and how many complaints did you have versus how many compliments did you have? Our receptionist, she gets more compliments than every other staff <laughs> combined. She gets like seven a day. It's ab absolutely fantastic. Um, and then we do some other metrics like, you know, tardiness metrics and days off metrics and stuff like that. Those are a couple of the six to eight measured categories of like, hey, are you borderline abusing sick time? Or, and again, people just aren't doing that because of the culture that we have. Yeah, taking a step back, uh, uh, Ryan, you know, attracting staff, there's a staffing shortage in the profession. So what are you guys doing differently than other firms that are attracting maybe people from other professions and bringing them in? Yep. So we do zero advertising or marketing of our products or services. Mm -hmm. We do zero advertising or marketing of job positions or openings. We have a standard of we are always hiring. We are always looking for that next person to fit into our firm. And our staff exists today. 100% referrals from existing staff, 100%. So we've created a culture where uh, the girl down the hallway from me who can probably hear my voice right now says, hey, I have a friend that might like to work here. And I know I'm a summer intern and I'm going to be back at Christmas break and I'm going to be back next summer, but she lives here in town and she could be full-time and I want you to talk to her. And I have a buddy also. So she's referring to me, my next two employees right now. Yesterday is literally when that conversation happened. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the woman down the hall from me is my best friend's wife. She quit her job to come on here because he knew the culture that we had. And um, 100% referrals. It is driving itself. I don't have to pay for any subscriptions or package or put out these job descriptions and all of these conditions on salaries and bonuses and have negotiations. People sign up. They know what they're getting because it's already been broadcasted to them. And we welcome them into the family with open arms. Now, you have recently, Ryan, made some adjustments to the firm structure um, with some of the duties, responsibilities uh, that is a little bit, I would say, unique or different than the vast majority of firms. Talk us through uh, that change and what's been the tangible result uh, yeah. so far of that change. 
Yeah, great question. So I'm going to start with the tangible result, if that's okay, and answer your question backwards. No. So um, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. You know what? I forgot. You're you're like no cop stuff. So I'm going to say yeah, that's fine. Straight, just the facts, sir. Just the facts. The uh, so three and a half years ago, Wayne and I were stuck at a three quarter million dollar firm. Right. We began this transition model, cultivating our staff from inside, cultivating a culture from outside. And we cut a bunch of services. We cut about $140,000, $150,000 of services. And then we started this consulting value-based and we matched, we increased our revenue to like seven sixty, dollars right? So we cut $140,000, $150,000 service and we replaced all of it in the same year. So immediately we were working less and making equal money. The year after that, we grew, we cut about $230,000 in services. And then we closed out the year eight hundred and sixty dollars in revenue, right? So we had $110,000 increase while also tracking about a $230,000, $240,000 cut. That was pretty, pretty measured growth right there. It's pretty huge for us. Last year, we closed out the year just shy of $1.2 million. Okay? Um, and we also uh, are going to close out this year very conservative. I'm being super conservative, estimate about $2.2, $2.3 million. Right? So we're, we're looking at <clears throat> tripling growth by the end of the year and doubling staff. And we've also reduced our book of business on our clients about 20 25%. So that's the tangible reward, right? We are literally working less and getting paid three times as much. It's fantastic, okay? <clears throat> In order to do that, we have separated ourselves into teams and we've rolled out this model fairly recently, um, but the team model is admin heavy. And this is where I feel like a lot of industries and very much the accounting industry is failing. A firm my size, which now has 16 people, might have two, maybe three administrators, you know, like a receptionist, an office manager, and maybe some other just generic, you know, print and copy type person, right? Well, we assign ourselves teams where we have a tax and advisory lead, we have a bookkeeper and a maintenance lead, and then we have a data entry person. And then that team has its own assigned admin person. So we have 16 people and I'll say seven admins. One of them is a dual rules, so half bookkeeper, half admin. But <clears throat> we'll say we have 16 people and seven admins. People are shocked when they hear me say that. And I was like, well, first of all, admins are way more available, right? Way more available. They're cheaper. Um, generally, they're much more clean slate and moldable. So they're easier to train that skill level. And what happens is in our team model, I purify the role. So instead of an accountant who's supposed to be cranking out tax terms, cranking out consulting services and, and special projects to tweak out customer situations and save them money and implement best practices and, and provide value and freedom to their life, well, they're stuck 60 to 80% of the time printing off tax returns, scheduling appointment, following up on quick questions and doing all of these mundane tasks that's not the billable time I'd like to pay him for. So I'm purifying that role. You need any scheduling, the admin does it. You need to track down a document, the admin does it. You need to set up a meeting, the admin does it. Prepares for the meeting, wraps up after the meeting, prepares all the forms for the meeting. You're just reviewing stuff in, reviewing stuff out. Now we offshore and outsource our data entry. Any and all bookkeeping related services that are data entry get offshored. So now my bookkeepers are now concentrating on their pure role of reviewing complete content coming in. It gets data entry, they review completion and accuracy, then it gets pushed out either to the quarterly and monthly filings or to the client itself. And so they have just freed up copious amounts of time. Two, three hours of reconciliation just went into 20 minutes of review, right? So what do I do with that free time? I increase client relationships. I increase my book of business or the value I provide. And then I have a, uh, a, um, admin person 
that wraps up that whole team. It supports the whole team. I don't want you scheduling your own calendar. I want you to show up at work, look that day, the next day, and two days out, 48 hours out, and prep for all those meetings and make sure all that's done. You need a follow-up prior to meeting. Hey, client, are you ready for a meeting? Do you have your materials prepared? It's two days out. Just like you get a reminder about your doctor's appointment, you get a reminder from our admin team, and they say, well, yeah, I'm ready for my meeting. Okay, let's hold the meeting. We'll see you in two days. <clears throat> The uh, tax lead on an advisor meeting shows up in the room, presentations prepared for them, documents are prepared for them, they sit there, make the surgical cuts in the meeting, right? Now they're operating at a physician's assistant level and they're up there making the surgical cuts. They leave the meeting, the admin person follows up with the summary, the notes, sends it back to the client, gives them their homework assignments, and this guy immediately goes back to work doing the high level skills and cycles into his next meeting. Does that sound like your normal accounting firm or a little different? No, that, that sounds a little bit different. Um... It sounds like it's been effective for you as well. Uh, and I was about to ask a question and I completely blanked on it because I was just thinking about how effective that was. Um, and now I mean, Rory, uh, now I, I'm just I, yeah, no, I, yeah, I have a question because I'm interested in going back to your SWAT training. Uh, I, I don't know, one, know one, Ryan, are you the main trainer there or have you trained people to do the training? And then what specifically have you taken from your SWAT background and implemented as far as, as training goes? That's a big question. I'll ask. <laughs> Remind me if I get off track. So with the SWAT training, it was important. Let's say I'm taking on any given mission, excuse me, 10, 12, 14 guys into an operation, right? Mm -hmm. Every single person has their role, right? Somebody's distracting, somebody's driving a vehicle, somebody's hitting the door, somebody's carrying a rifle, a shield, a flashbang, gas masks, whatever. There's all kinds of stuff that can happen, right? People are responsible for less lethal, like tasers and beanbag guns. People are responsible for handcuffing. There's a canine there just in case. There's 12 or 14 guys with complete different roles. Each one of those 12 guys never looks over their shoulder to make sure their buddy has got their back, right? Mm -hmm. 100% complete trust that your job is being done. Mm -hmm. Here's your worst case scenario. I trip and fall flat on my face or something really bad happens. Somebody goes down, right? That next guy steps right over and fulfills that role seamlessly. Okay. And so that's the level of training and mission the focus that we're that we're concentrating on. Now again, that's life and death situation, extreme, you know, danger, really bad people, the worst of mankind that's out there, right? But why can that not function on a much basic level? I can show up and we follow a law enforcement model in our office. It's literally called the backup model, right? Anything we do that is significant requires backup. We consider automatically advisory services sales pitches and maintenance services, the maintenance meetings backup and you get to pick your backup so if it's a highly technical meeting i might pick the other technical person from my team if it's a less technical meeting i'll just pick my admin person i'm always going to have backup so i can wholly focus on the task and this person's taking the notes making sure i don't forget anything from the bullet points we had lined up passing over the calculators and i'm just focused and my backups there to save me if i mess up screw up do anything wrong okay uh, and so that's the other part. The other thing is uh, on that team, roles could change, right? What if we expected two suspects, but there's a third one. So now a bonus person has to handcuff, right? Well, now this fourth person needs to go in and he needs to clear the next room. So same principle. We have this football mentality. Like I said, that the quarterback might need to take, you might juggle the football. It's your turn to carry the football and you just seamlessly do it. Just like there's a fumble or an interception or something like that on the field. And so that's where my law enforcement training meshed over to this. We have lots of these opportunities in the accounting world to, to play the team, 
Mm-hmm. We're sitting here and isolating and crushing ourselves, and we're literally yeah. further pushing ourselves down in the quicksand. And the only way to get out of the quicksand is to make focused, deliberate movements that you've planned ahead. Otherwise, you're just flailing about. And the accounting industry is just sinking deeper and deeper when there's a teammate's hand right here, or somebody's holding you a vine or a stick. Just pull the stick, get out of the quicksand, and use your team to do it. You're just heaping more and more paperwork and clients and deadlines on your shoulders while trying to swim through quicksand. It's not going to work. Yeah. It seems like what what happened with Wayne is he was working in his business and not on his business. And he allowed you to come in here and be that person to work on the business. That that, that is 100% correct. And and we've had to fight for that over Mm -hmm. time. The pandemic with all of the overwhelming, like just a tidal wave of PPPs and unemployment, restaurant funds, and you just name it, ERTC, all this kind of stuff. We had the ability to say, oh my gosh, let's just go back to doing what we're doing and just type in a keyboard and crank out everything we could in the deadline, or we could step forward and lead. So because we had the mindset that we're going to lead our clients, lead our staff, we took the initiative, right? So we kept our heads up outward, looking at our future. We concreted our vision statement here and said, this is what we're going to be when we grow up, which is a uh, industry leader in changing um, advisory services and applying expertise in a new way. That's what we want to do. Okay. And so we went and we now took control of the situation with our clients. Wayne and I, once, once a week, an hour every week is blackout time where he and I just talk about what the business is doing. Guess what? That's, that's one of the first things that when we started, well, we'd cancel that one. We're busy. Let's just cancel that meeting. But then we drew a line in the sand and said, no, we're going to hold fast to that meeting every single week. Okay. And we do it. Then we added a training meeting every week. So two hours of my week for the rest of my life is already accounted for. It's a meeting with Wayne, talking partner stuff on the business. And it's a training meeting of some type of topic where I'm being trained by a staff member or I'm training a part of the team. And that that has really helped us grow and work on the business and impart that knowledge and empower the staff. So you used used the word trust. I think this is where I was going to go earlier. Um, (laughs) As you some you were someone coming in from the outside, were used to working in that 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 mode of operation. For Wayne, a multi-year professional, I forget the number you said, and I don't want to get it wrong. Forty-eight. So he he's he's got to learn some new tricks, right? You mentioned he had to show a lot of trust. What are maybe a couple other items that? he really had to lead by example, because if he doesn't trust this new process, certainly none of the other staff are going to trust the process, right? It's, it's got to happen at the top. Besides trust, maybe a couple other things uh, that he had to do that were big shifts for him. Yeah, great. So the first one that pops ahead is technology, right? Wayne is 70 years old now. So he'd have been, uh, you know, 66 and some change when, when we started all the transition. I guarantee Wayne's knowledge and ability with technology is way better than the first 70 year old that just popped into your head. Okay. Um, he can get on all these systems, use all these computers with the exception of like maybe something that's kind of new and rolling out. He's on top of using all of our software. When I came on board, he had a physical planner where he wrote out his schedule in his day in pencil every day of his life, everywhere he went. And then somehow, some way I'm going to be generous and say 50% of the time, it would find its way onto the actual calendar that everyone in the office can see and plan their lives out of. So one of the very first things I did is say, hey, I need a two-week trial. Two-week trial, you're going to use this device, your phone right here, and you're going to talk to so-and-so, the digital attendant, and you're going to book all of your meetings in your calendar like that. 
So it's automatic. You're not going to write it down based on a phone call or go visit a client or just get a random phone call on a Saturday and book something here in the book that doesn't show up on the calendar. So that revolutionized us from day one. And he realized, okay, technology works. Um, we started making sure that we trained him to enter time and follow projects and tasks, just like the new guy walking in off the street and lead by example. He was all about it. He knew his deficiencies. He's an expert in more area. He's forgotten more expertise than I'll ever learn in my life. I'll just say that, okay? This guy is sharp. Um, but he, he took the initiative in saying, I wanna master technology. I wanna get back into using the software I'm supposed to. Um, and then the other thing that we had to do that he had to be willing to let go of is just like somebody when they drive a Tesla autopilot for the first time, they, they have trouble letting go on the steering wheel and they're always tapping or touching the steering wheel. Two, three weeks into it, they're finally reclined a little bit, but those first few days, Wayne didn't want to let go of the steering wheel. <clears throat> so we just did demonstrations. We imparted that knowledge to maybe an office manager or, or more of a senior person that says, hey, he's going to do this process and we're going to do three of them. And then you review it and see if it's messed up. Well, hey, those three were clean or maybe had a super minor issue that, that needed to be cleaned up and would have been caught anyway. So, hey, Wayne, now you don't have to do this. Now you don't have to. You probably ask yourself, what's Tally for? Well, Tally 4 is a tax flow that empowers firms to automate the tax trial balance, saving them hours per return in three easy steps. Import, adjust, and file. Import. Tally 4 accepts data from all major accounting systems. Adjust. Your accounting and tax teams can collaborate to make all the necessary tax-based adjustments. And file. Once the tax trial balance is completed and approved, Tally 4 can send it to any leading tax product. TallyForce import, adjust, and final process will help you reduce the time it takes to create a tax return from hours to just minutes. To learn more about using TallyFor for your CPA firm, head over to tallyfor.com. That's T-A-L-L-Y-F-O-R.com. Prepare tax returns or this portion of the process, and instead of being six of the 15 tasks in the project, you're now just two of the nine. And we reduced and simplified a lot. And he was all about it after he got over that first lump in his throat. Now, there's an interesting balance that has to strike there is, I'll say that I see a lot of firms, quote, over-administrate themselves. And I'm thinking about projects and workflow right now, right? So they, they create tasks at infinitum. Um, and maybe there's not great rationale for all of those. Or there was rationale 15 years ago, and we just haven't revisited it. Uh, but the other side of that is, Forgetting that to delegate doesn't mean to give up the entirety, but sometimes there are pieces that can be given up and we lose opportunity for capacity gain when we don't walk that line of, I don't want to over-administrate it, but I've got to be able to separate these jobs out and say, what pieces truly need my special knowledge and where can we flow this down the chain to overall give more capacity and more space? So I think, I think you've really kind of hit at that that piece there. And I'll also say this about the word space. It's, it's interesting that by adding more administrative focused individuals, you have created space. And I, I have said for years that if a firm wants to grow their advisory services, they first have to create space. And I'm not just talking about space on someone's calendar. I'm talking about space for client conversations, because if you don't know your clients at a deep and intimate level and don't understand what they're struggling with today and thinking about for tomorrow, you're not going to be able to provide valuable solutions. 
So when we, when we hear numbers like your firm has, where revenue is going way up while client numbers are going down and your revenue per client is certainly increasing dramatically, that means you have created the right kind of space, which may be different than creating production capacity. I think those are two different mentalities, Ryan. I'll let you respond. Uh, that is 100%. I think you, you sold it very well. And that's, that's what we recognize as well. The space was with what everyone can do, not how much time can I isolate or how much can I sharpen a skill in one area. But, you know, the, I think of the picture of, you know, the, the Navy SEALs carrying the logs on the sand, right? There is a reason when they do those trainings, they line up people by height. It's so everyone can equally bear the load. And what we have is that we had somebody in the, in the company's stature was really tall. So they're bearing like 80% of the weight of that log. And then you have all these people standing in the middle that can't reach the log and help bear weight because they don't have the skill set. They don't have the trust or, or the tasks and pieces of the project put in there. Well, now we've raised everybody to the same height and everybody's bearing the load of the log. I mean, we can carry that bad boy anywhere, right? Because we all have 10% of the weight. That's easy. Um, conversation with one of our, our staff members today about transitioning this team model was basically the last person and the last team to, to truly get on. And um, I said, the whole goal is this simple, right? It's that everyone works easier and less and I pay you for the same amount of time. Okay. And they're like, oh, that sounds great. I said, yeah. So just make sure you rely on these people this way. Everybody's tasks is broken up into thirds as far as leading the client relationship and project. And then the admin person wraps them in a big hug and you're responsible for not letting anybody fall apart because you've got your arms around them. You know, that's just another warmer, fuzzier model behind it. So that the capacity is inside of every firm, inside of every firm. If you're gonna go value-based billing, the capacity is this. Get you one sales on one big value package and whatever your equivalent of junk client that is, get rid of those junk clients. Wayne and I, I started value-based advisory billing, and on average, just the advisory fee was worth 10 or more of our low-end 1040 clients. And then we had the maintenance fee and anything over that that just kept us in the black and kept us growing. So we had the freedom and wrote it down on paper and then executed it in real life to say every advisory we sell, we're going to fire 10 clients, Right. Or we're going to raise their fee and they can choose to come with us and be nice and profitable, or they can, they can leave. And we had uh, plenty actually want to pay us money and stay, but we had tons of people leave as planned and designed while never losing a dime, never losing a dime. Um, that was a huge comfort. And that was a great way for us to increase our capacity in, in a different mindset than normal. Yeah, and I just want to get a differentiation, uh, the differentiation between CS uh, business consultants and Shelton CPA, you know, working with businesses, Ryan, you have to really get involved. I mean, these business owners, you know, they're good at what they do. The plumber knows how to plumb, but they don't necessarily know how to run a business. So can you kind of talk about the work you're doing uh, with CS business consulting and the difference uh, between that and CPA? So. CS Business Consulting was born out of a, a secondary need that we discovered with uh, Shelton Associates. So as we began advisory services in the tax planning, tax efficiency, audit proofing type realm, we realized that there's other industry issues that seem to be pretty universal. And a lot of them was leadership training. Like how do I actually inspire and influence and lead in a positive and healthy way? Um, how do I structure and manage human resource? How do I convey my message and purpose to my people? 
And that wasn't a tax planning issue. Yeah. So we, we siphoned it off <clears throat> and we created it. And we ran probably 13 or 16 people um, through the process. And we built a five module process as the, kind of the base level. And it's just like an advisory package. Hey, here's the engine rebuild and all of your influencers are in the company. We're going to measure you out and see what type of influence you're going to get. And we're going to walk you through actual deliverable tools and the development of tools in a room together. And so that became a secondary nature and it, and it grew into that. And now it expands into some other like CARES Act and, you know, some of the specialized consulting that involves stuff like, you know, PPP stuff and ERTC and things like that as well, because it was just a natural entity sitting there to do enhanced specialized things. Um, but basically it finds solutions for you as leadership to, again, rebuild the engine of how you're delivering that, that influence to your people. And so just real quickly, it does stuff like we take time to actually hatch out a mission statement. That is a real important thing. It is not just a wall hanger in your lobby. Mm -hmm. It means something. You literally have to be deliberate in how you design this and how you word this and how you phrase it and how you hold yourself to that. Then you have a vision statement. Again, that's not just a, what do I want to be when I grow up? That's part of it, but it is deliberate. And you're going to work towards these steps over one, three, five years. And you might redesign your vision statement in a few years. Then you have your core values. Your core values as a leader, which is a human, and your core values as a business for you're going to show up and no matter what type of thing you have to endure and persevere in your life, these core values are not going to change and we're going to adhere to these. And that is important because now if you're building a culture around your core values, everyone is going to be in alignment every single day. Most people don't even consider core values, let alone their importance. And then you get into situations where you develop a leadership philosophy, a tangible document that any human in the world can hold up in their hand. And it's a double-edged sword, okay? It says, I'm going to hold you accountable by all of this very articulated, easy to read things. So you can show up every day and never tick off the boss and never fail me. How powerful would that be to know that I'm following you as a leader and I have your brain and your, your entire compass on this piece of paper. But if I get out of line, you can do it very respectfully and professionally and say, hey, you told me you weren't going to do things like this. It's like point B on your leadership philosophy. And I'm like, you're right. I got to eat crow right now and fix this situation. And so be, within their fourth hour of employment at Shelton Associates, we deliver our leadership philosophies, our mission, our vision, our values. And within the fourth hour, every employee knows exactly what their boss's brain is. If I'm out of pocket for some reason, I'm teaching at a conference, I'm on vacation, scuba diving, I'm underwater, you can't get a hold of me, then you have to make a critical decision. You can literally pull out that piece of paper, look at it and say, yes, it's in alignment with our leadership philosophy, mission and vision. The answer is yes or no, it does not match up. The answer is no, and I will never be disappointed with your choice. That's power for our people. And then we go through without actual human resource issues, we develop a skeleton of the four essential policies every business must have. And, and we just develop a framework for that. And then we'll have like an HR person turn over to them and flesh those out the rest of the waveform. But you gotta have, you know, a sexual harassment policy, drug and alcohol abuse policy, a security policy, you know, for like computers and software and stuff like that. And then your generic operational procedures. What are we gonna dress like, talk like, look like, log in, operate computers and, and that kind of stuff. And that builds what the program is called as business foundations. And it's your journey of leadership. This is how we do that one. I love it. The journey of leadership. All right, let's wrap up here. Uh, thank you so much, Ryan, for coming on and sharing your wisdom. If anybody wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do so? 
So the, the best way would be call our phone number 270-442-6688. Um, that rings both the Shelton Associates and CS Business Consulting. I'm upstairs at the accounting firm. It's the same building, same phone number. You can send an email to Ryan at csbizcon.com. So that's csbizcon.com. And that'll go straight to my, my main uh, inbox and we can start conversations and, and look at helping people out from there. All right. And I bet well, they can count on your admin to set up an uh, set up a meeting after that. Absolutely, I have I haven't scheduled a meeting for myself in a very long time. If I do, I get in trouble. So I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me again, Ryan. I appreciate it, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. All right, thanks. Excellent. All opinions expressed by Rob Santos and Rory Henry on this website podcast interview are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Everroot Family Office LLC or their parent company or affiliates and may have been previously disseminated on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by anyone as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of their opinions. Past performance is not indicative of future results.